Hello, my badass fire starters. Welcome to Rebirth of Venus. My name is Caitlin Matanley, and this show is all about achieving the sacred pleasure of your highest potential through spirituality, self-empowerment, entrepreneurship, and magic. It's time to unabashedly blaze your own path by turning up the volume on your total authenticity. I'm an outlaw life and success coach for rebel boss witches and modern mystics, and I'm so excited to have you join me. Thank you for listening. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Rebirth of Venus. How are you doing today? I'm sitting here at my dining room table, as I often do, almost always do when I record these episodes for you. And I'm thinking about stories. So this is, if you're in the self-development sphere, this is definitely something you have thought about. Um, This is definitely something that if you've ever been to therapy, you have maybe gone through. But what I want to look at today is how our personal stories impact the choices we make. So before we get into that, um, I want to define what I mean when I talk about our stories. Whether you focus on the events of your life, how they've happened, what's come to pass for you, or you think about the interpretations you have of those things, these two areas are inextricably linked when we look at our stories. And it's really important to be open to believing and be open to understanding that anything that happens to you, there are infinite infinite numbers of ways to view it. Infinite numbers of ways. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because there have been a lot of conversations I've had in my personal relationships and things where I've realized that my perception of an event, of something that's happened of a conversation, whatever, is not the be-all, end-all. It's not the truth because the truth is relative. It doesn't exist. And, you know, okay, last night I was having an argument with my partner and we have a lot of communication conversations. You know, we have a lot of communication conversations because we come from two different cultures We have two different native languages. And so that normal assumption that most people have in their romantic partnership or partnerships, that assumption that like, well, when I say this, you know what it means. We don't have that luxury. And honestly, overall, I actually think it's a huge blessing because in relationships, often we, you know, we we tend to think, like I said previously, that people just understand what we're talking about or that they have the same um, interpretation of something that's happened. And that's just never the case. And so for us, because we have these sort of surface area differences that force us to be really much more intentional with communication, it's actually a blessing. It allows us to communicate more strongly. We don't have the luxury of just assuming. And that's the thing. When you assume it's, you know, it's just that it's an assumption. You know, we, it's, it's so easy to think, oh, this person came from the same background as me. They speak my same language, whatever. It's so easy to think they get it. And it's really never the case. In every single one of our relationships, we need to understand that what happens is one thing and the interpretation of it allows it potentially to take on a completely different meaning. So last night we were chatting after, you know, like not being angry anymore. (laughs) We were chatting and I, you know, revealed like a few things I'd experienced in a past relationship that resulted in me overreacting to certain things in the present. And I was sharing this information with the, um, I, I was sharing this information with the intention of it not being an excuse, but being an explanation, you know, of this understanding that 
I knew that like certain things triggered me or certain things made me think about unrelated things or brought up dark thoughts or whatever. And that was because of experiences in my past. And we all have, we all have this in our lives, you know, trauma responses. We all have them, whether your trauma, you know, we often think like, Oh, because something, nothing like terrible with a capital T happened to me. We don't really think trauma applies to us, but the reality is everybody has trauma responses to different things. You know, whether it's, you know, uh, I don't like saying a more severe experience because I really don't like putting it, you know, putting trauma or putting experiences on this like scale of suffering because the reality is the nervous system doesn't really see as much of a difference as we think. And that's what accounts for how we react in certain situations. Okay. So, you know, it's important to recognize this and to start this conversation this way because from a few different perspectives. I mean, first of all, compassion. It's really important that we it's really important that we understand that our judgments towards someone's behavior in a certain circumstance, you know, it comes from a lack of understanding of the big picture. If we can be compassionate and just understand that everybody has like a reason, honestly, for behaving the way they do. Again, that's a reason. That's an explanation. It's not an excuse. It is up to all of us to identify, you know, where we can do better, where we can be more present in the present, where we can allow, we can stop, really stop allowing our past experiences to dictate the present. That's all of our responsibilities. And at the same time, you know, instead of just immediately taking things personally, we can look at you know, the, the kind of universal understanding that regardless of what the reason is, we do have reasons for behaving the way we do. So I, I've been thinking about this whole story thing recently because I've been thinking about money. And I've talked about it on the last episode and talking about my story with money. And, you know, pretty much... It, it, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, if you're somebody who's in like the world of personal development or if you have done spiritual work at some point, if you've even like tiptoed around the concept of money as energy, you have thought about your money stories. So the thing that's important to know about, you know, money stories is that they're no different from any other stories. Our stories are all just, you know, these experiences we've had that we've determined have made us who we are and that we can apply a varying, you know, varying degrees of varying degrees of meaning to. Okay, so before I go on, I have to address something. <laughs> if you're feeling, if you're like, I've been listening to this, this this episode and Caitlin seems so much more like reserved than usual and like she's choosing her words more carefully. I'm going to tell you why. I am like deep right in this moment in a vulnerability hangover. <laughs> so it's kind of funny that I chose this moment to like hop on and record this episode. Um, but I just, I had a post I'd written that I was really happy about. Um, and it was, you know, it was actually really similar content to the last episode where I talked about my story behind money. So based on what I had said in that episode, then I like wrote out a post that, you know, turned into some copy and things like that, blah, 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 blah. And it was very vulnerable for me. And I experienced something really interesting. <laughs> I had no problem sharing that message on this podcast. I had no problem sharing it with my email list. I had no problem sharing it on Instagram. I think I maybe even shared it on my business Facebook page. And I was really feeling called to share it on my personal page on Facebook. Now, I don't share uh, a ton, ton, ton on my personal page on Facebook. I have been experimenting with doing it more because, you know, the fact of the matter is it, it has a sort of double purpose. You know, that story I told was a, really a story of everything I've experienced over the past year specifically around the topic of money. Um, and it served to kind of like show people what I had been through, people who are close to me. It also, you know, in other conversations I'd had on Facebook, 
through my personal profile. I'd, I'd asked some questions about money and I had had some really good conversations as a result. And that's been happening in my personal life. And it's just really lighting this fire in me to break the silence around this topic. And the only way I can do that and be authentic is to share my own story completely unfiltered, <laughs> which I did. And if you listen to the last episode, you, you heard it. Um, so what was funny though, is I was really feeling called to share this on my personal page and it really freaked me out. And actually I wanted to share this message that I'm going to share with you today there as well. And that's still freaking me out. (laughs) And it's because I realized that it's one thing to share a message with people who have kind of like chosen to be here. So, you know, people, you amazing people listening to this podcast, people who follow me on Instagram, whatever, you know, they've chosen to be here with me on this journey as I share these messages, some of which are personal, some of which I feel are more universal. Of course, they're always both really, because the, the division between universal and personal is pretty non-existent in my opinion. And it's really... I know by now that when I feel called and compelled to share a message, I need to do that. And I need to do that where I feel like it needs to be shared. And sometimes I have a message I feel like it needs to be shared everywhere. And I, so I, you know, wrote up a post, I hit publish and I was just like, oh my God. I mean, are people going to judge me? Are people going to judge me that, um, you know, Oh, there's so many things in the story people could judge. Are they going to judge me based on what I used to earn? Are they going to judge me based on like, you know, what I've done in the past, what I experienced? Are they going to judge like how responsible I've been with money and then judge me as a business person? Like all this bullshit, right? And it's bullshit because the reality is I actually haven't really had much experience of that. Like I imagine the people who are judging are like often just remain silent. (laughs) It takes like a really special person who's judging you to like actually come out and say it. Um, I don't know about you, but I know when I'm judging something, I just keep it to myself. (laughs) I don't want to like out myself as judgmental, you know? (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I really like got me stuck in this vulnerability hangover afterwards. I mean, spoiler alert, like there's been like no one has commented even on this post. (laughs) But I mean, maybe they will, maybe they won't. That's not even the point. Um, You know, I feel called to share something I do. I don't think like, ooh, I must be called to share this because like a bunch of people are going to like it and they want to work with me or something like, no, that's not how it works. It's just like, oh, then call to share it. Usually, I mean, and this actually, I gave this advice to one of my coaching clients like an hour ago. (laughs) Um, I said, you know, it's not about how many people are going to hear the message. It's about the right person hearing. And so if you're afraid to share something and whether you're in business by your, you know, if you're in business and that means you probably create content for emails or on social media or at whatever. You know, there is going to be a time, sure, when you feel afraid to share something. And even if you're not an entrepreneur, there's going to be a time in your life when you're afraid to share something, whether it's to a friend, in like a new environment, et cetera, et cetera. What I do in all of these moments is I ask if I don't like not if I don't, okay. I don't like to think in negatives. If one person hears this or reads this message and is positively impacted by it, maybe they feel less alone. Maybe they feel more understood. Maybe they feel less shame. That's a huge, especially with the stuff around money, guys. I, for so many years, experienced so much shame, so much shame around this stuff around having debt, around not being able to manage my money, feeling like I wasn't being responsible with money, et cetera. So much shame. And it made my problems so much worse. Like, like actually measurably worse. <laughs> like I would get out of debt and get back in because there's shame around it. Or like, I mean, there's so many examples. And so I asked myself whether it's about money or something else, if I'm sharing this. And if one person's positively impacted in any way, is it worth it? Is it worth the discomfort? And the answer is always yes. Because guess what? Sometimes it is just one person. I have posted, I remember I had an Instagram post, I don't know, a few weeks ago and literally, and like maybe 30 people liked it. And I don't know if I got any comments, maybe one, 
but someone DM'd me about the post and we got in this great conversation and it was just like, it was really beneficial to both of us in the end. And, um, they even became a client actually, but like, that's not the point. The point isn't that, oh, that, you know, it, it is from a business perspective, like, oh, if the right person hears, maybe they'll like accept the offer. But the point of the offer is to help. So it's really like, I'm not even concerned with that. It's just if the right person hears, will they be impacted? And sometimes you don't even know if they've heard because they aren't necessarily going to like it or comment publicly. Maybe they won't even ever message you. So anyway, I feel like I had to say that because <laughs> I was feeling like very filtered <laughs> and I think it was just that fear projecting into this episode I'm not gonna edit any of this out because I, I really it's so important to me to be real to you and to show you that this is a real process okay so stories let's talk stories I'm gonna talk about my money stories I want you to think about yours I want you to think about experiences you've had in your life around money I want you to think of what those things told you, like what you learned. And so if that doesn't make sense, this is something for every single area of your life. This is something I get into with my coaching clients. I say, okay, look at your life. Look at something you've had, something an experience you've had. What would you have to believe for that experience to be a direct result of belief. So let me explain that again. Um, if I think about a past experience I had and I'm wondering what it taught me, I think what would have to be true for my, my interpretation of this event to be correct? So if I remember something and I have a negative response to that memory, I'm... I have the assumption that that story, that that memory is bad. My story is that the memory is bad. Maybe it makes me feel inadequate, like I'm not good enough. Maybe it makes me feel scarcity. Once you pinpoint what you feel, you can ask yourself, what would I have to believe for scarcity to be correct in the situation, the correct response? And I'm going to give a few examples based on my personal experiences. Now, if you're ready to take this to the next level, um, and if you're wondering why what I just said is kind of worded in a funny way, this is why. Because with my coaching clients, when we're in a private container, this is what I ask them. And this is, this is a controversial belief. And you don't have to agree with me. I just want you to be open-minded as you listen. More times than not, I don't like speaking in absolutes, so I'm not going to say always. More times than not, the things in our lives and our interpretations of them are of our own creation. I'm not saying that other factors don't influence it. Of course they do. But personally, this is my personal practice. And so that's all I can teach because this is what I personally practice myself. Personally, I feel more empowered by the idea that I could attract something into my life that I don't desire than I do about the idea that it just happened to me. Now, you may disagree. You may have an opposite perspective, and I encourage you to develop your own perspective. But with myself, and I offer this as a solution to my coaching clients or as an exercise, and it's, I really encourage you to start with something that's not like the most painful thing in your life because it can be really hard to wrap your, your head around like, oh, I could attract something and not have that devolve into blaming yourself. Because to me, they're very different. Okay, so if I have an experience, I think back to um, a relationship that made me feel a certain way. They did something made me feel a certain way. My response was to feel a certain way. I have a story around that. So I ask myself, what would I have to believe for that to have been exactly what I wanted? I look at my current reality. What would I have to believe for everything I see to be exactly my desire made manifest. So you can do this when you're looking at your past experiences as well. Because you're trying to extract what your current belief is and why, how you got there. Okay, so let me tell you a bit about my stories and I'm going to focus on money. 
I was raised in an environment where money was perceived as scarce. It was spent as soon as it came in. And the reason it was spent as soon as it came in was because there was a lot of dialogue and belief that money never lasts. So what I learned from that, I learned that money never lasts. I learned scarcity. Now I can look back and say, is that true? And this is a process that is taught in the money course that I talked about last week, Money Mentality Makeover with Amanda Francis. It's a course I taught, I took last year, completely changed my life. If you want to hear about how it changed my life, listen to the last episode. Um, and this is part of the process she teaches at the very beginning of the course. I'm going to share it with you today and share it with you how I work through this. If you're interested in checking out the course, enrollment is open until Friday. So click the link in my show notes. Um, I have an amazing bonus group program available to anyone who signs up through my link. So check that out. Okay. So in that experience, I was taught scarcity. The question is this, is it true that money always runs out? There are two ways to look at this. It depends on what you focus on. So yes, like you could certainly, I mean, I, I'm not going to say talk about you. I could certainly look at plenty of experiences in my life where yes, money ran out. It was always running out, you know? Every time you don't have it, it's because it ran out, right? So you could have the story that it's always running out or you could have the story that it's always coming in. So it's like, a, is the glass half empty or half full thing? Are you focused on it disappearing? Or are you focused on it coming back in? Because guess what? Actually, yeah, money always comes in because I've never run out of money and never gotten any ever again, <laughs> right? <laughs> so like every time I thought I was never going to make another dollar, I made another dollar. <laughs> Why would this time be different? You see? Okay. So, you know, because I was taught to believe that it never lasts, debt was accumulated because the future was seen as uncertain. And because the future was uncertain, it's like, ooh, you have it now, like use it while you have it. Oh, you don't have it? Like, well, just let's like use debt to get what we need, what we desire because, and like not really think too much about paying it off in the future because who knows what could happen. Now, here's what's interesting. I actually can't say that that was the belief. I can't say for sure that that was the belief of anyone in my family. But that is my interpretation of those experiences, of those memories, of those beliefs. So what you start to realize is that, you know, you start to get to this place where you're examining your stories about any area of your life where you take responsibility. You have to take responsibility because... Ultimately, your interpretation is only from you. And as much as we would love to believe, there's just like, well, there are certain things that just obviously mean X, Y, or Z, or certain things that are, of course, obviously terrible or obviously amazing, there aren't a ton of examples, barring the obvious ones, where things are that black and white. Okay? So conversations, I remember around money as I was young or growing up, and not just for my family, just like in general. I definitely remember rich people being viewed as selfish, as only thinking of themselves, of um, spoiling their kids. Most of my friends growing up were wealthy. A lot of my friends, most of my friends, uh, their parents were like doctors and dentists and surgeons and stuff like that. And there are some exceptions, but overall... I, I mean, I definitely remember the vast majority of my friends having more money than I did. And that was not something that bothered me. I remember being very aware of it from a very young age because I remember shame around things like the car we drove or any number of other things, you know, vacations that were taken by other families compared to ours. This wasn't shame I felt personally, but I definitely felt it from my family. So, you know, it, what was interesting by, about that is that I noticed that, hmm, like clearly money made life easier. Clearly people who had money were happier in certain ways because they were less stressed about money. I'm not saying their lives were perfect. 
Um, but we also were thinking of them negatively, talking down about them. A lot of this is very subtle, but this is why it's important. And I, I don't have children, but this is why it's important to be aware of the types of conversations you're having. And not just with children, but with people in your life in general, because they really do pave the way for belief. You know, children really pick up on things. I don't remember ever anyone saying like, people with money are selfish, monsters. But I do remember a lot of like very subtle talking down about those people. Okay, so, you know, right away, I noticed this duplicity around that. So, you know, I these are the things I observed. And one of the biggest things I remember observing is, you know, how spending served as therapy. You know, how this whole idea of retail therapy. And so later when I struggled with my mental health, I definitely took note from that. My mother is mentally ill and she is an amazing woman. And I noticed times where I was like, huh, like once I was old enough to understand, oh, like in certain mental states, more spending happens. That's because it feels good. The same thing could be said for eating or any other number of any number of other things. And this is hard for me to talk about because, you know, I realized like when later when I was having my own problems with mental health, you know, that just like taking that anxiety off by just like getting the thing that was needed or desired or make you feel good or that just felt right or whatever really helped. And instead of for me, um, handling it from the perspective of like, oh, how can I create more security for myself? Ultimately, that's going to feel the best. I didn't really have an example for that. So what do all these stories, what do they teach me? They taught me about, like I said, scarcity. They taught me that money and spending money is therapeutic. Later, I was radicalized at a relatively young age by the anti-capitalist anarchist movement. So, you know, (laughs) I remember being a lot of marches where we were talking about eating the rich, you know, or like, like nobody deserves to be rich. Like everyone needs to like, all wealth needs to trickle down, et cetera. And I fully, I do personally believe it's all of our responsibility to share our resources. But I now know that like blaming the rich for that did nothing more than to keep me and my friends financially oppressed. <laughs> it, I, I mean, just judging from what I witnessed. I personally really struggled with poverty, like kind of always in my adult life. And it was directly related to my ideas that like either I shouldn't really need money or if I wanted to make money that there was like something wrong with me. I remember having a lot of memories where I, I would do things with friends that were like, you know, anti-capitalist anarchist things to do. Like, you know, hitchhiking, taking like vacations to Europe where we just like hitchhiked everywhere and like you know bummed on people's couches and ate out of dumpsters and like all these things and while I actually have a lot of amazing memories and I had some really great adventures the reality was I remember times where I was like oh but I kind of want to do like this thing that costs money but like if I talk about that with my friends they're gonna be like oh like nobody's gonna do that with me like it was just a it was a very subtle feeling that like spending money was bad having money was bad money was the problem Again, very few people ever came out and said, like, spending money is evil, making money is evil. But my interpretations of certain memories and experiences led me to believe that. Again, it's back to my interpretation. So, you know, at that point, because I had never had money, I started to embrace poverty as a lifestyle, you know, And yeah, like I said, I had a lot of adventures that perpetuated this idea that poverty was in some way noble. Um, My memories of my first time in Europe, where I hitchhiked around with my three friends, (laughs) super fun, super memorable. There was a lot of like sleeping in bushes and like in in cars with strangers and um, 
you know, drinking wine, like cheap wine by the Seine. We did not go to the Louvre. <laughs> we did not like, you know, do the touristy things. And in some ways that was really amazing. But I do remember feeling like, oh, there are certain things I wish I could be doing that I can't. You know, I felt like I actually couldn't fully make the most of the opportunity in front of me. And there were definitely times where, you know, hitchhiking with a random stranger was amazing. Like one time I remember this guy, my one friend and I were hitchhiking together and this guy, the Swiss guy picked us up. And when we got out of the car, he gave us like a pile of money. He was just like a really nice, like normal middle-aged guy. I forget how much he gave us, but in Swiss francs. But we realized after going into the gas station I told my friend, hey, like, get us some really good chocolate. Like, we have little money now. Let's get, like, a really good bar of chocolate. That was, like, the biggest luxury back then. And they came out and were like, oh, my God. You won't believe how many chocolate bars we could buy with this. Because we didn't know, actually, what the exchange rate was <laughs> at the time. We didn't have iPhones at that time. It was, like, before smartphones were really popular. So we did not have, like, a currency converter on the phone like I do now. He basically given us, like, $100 just because he liked us. He liked our spirit and our adventurous nature and stuff. And then there were other times where I did not feel safe. Nothing bad happened, luckily. But, you know, the point is this idea that, like, poverty is somehow noble. Yes, it led to some really fun adventures that I honestly may not have had otherwise. And it led to some really, like, uncomfortable situations. And this brings me to a really important point about our stories, which is that the reason it's difficult to let our stories go is because in some ways they serve us. You know, just like our interpretation of event can be good or bad, but the reality is it's not that black and white. When we look back on things, our memories, you know, they often have taught us some really powerful lessons or led to some really powerful experiences and at the same time carry some negativity. So to not acknowledge that really makes it difficult to change. It really does. So, you know, needless to say, this, this real sense of disconnect, of duplicity formed in my consciousness, of wanting some comfort, wanting some opportunities that cost some money, wanting some of these things, and also feeling like it was bad, feeling like it wasn't for me, wasn't for people like me, for people like my family, etc., you know, there's this disconnect that forms. And I talk a lot about duplicity because when we're desiring to create a change in our life, it's that duplicity that is lethal. You know, so we have to look at the reasons. And this is why I, I personally choose to take full responsibility for everything in my life. Because if I feel like, oh, why? Like this, I, I say I want, you know, okay, if we're talking about money. I say I want to have money, but I don't have any, like, and we ignore the fact, the obvious fact, that if we don't have it on some level, it's, be, it's often, it's most likely because we either feel like we don't deserve it, like we shouldn't have it, like having it will bring something bad upon us or those we love, any of these other negative stories. Okay, let's look at relationships. You know, this I feel like is a little less charged because it, it can be pretty charged socially and politically to look at money and be like, if you don't have it, you know, it's because secretly you don't want to have it. It's not that simple. Obviously, there are institutions in place that keep resources out of certain people's hands. So let's look at relationships. Maybe that will feel less charged. I'm sure you've had an experience where you're like, oh, I want a relationship, but you couldn't get one, right? Or like you couldn't find anyone. And maybe you look back and you're like, actually, I don't think I did want a relationship or I don't think I do want one. You know, often when with a relationship, we don't acknowledge the areas of our lives are going to change with the addition of a new person. And we're not really wanting to change those. That's just one example. So we all have these like this duplicitous nature around our unrealized desires. And, you know, depending on how spiritual you want to take this idea, you know, the reality is we're sending messages constantly to ourselves, to the energetic field, to our reticular activating system of the brain, which is the part of our brain that decides what we pay attention to, what we don't. All of these things work in tandem 
to do what we often call in the spiritual world, I put this in air quotes, calling in our desires. Sometimes though, calling in our desires is just noticing them. It's like my example earlier of like the difference between the story of money is always running out versus it's always coming in. Actually, those are the same story. Those are two ends of the same spectrum. And that's really important to remember. It's really important to recognize that one can't exist without the other. So if you're not sure, you know, whether your story is an empowering one, just look at your emotions around it. You know, your emotions around it tell you like this is empowering or this is not. Okay, so, you know, what was interesting that I learned during that time is that nothing was more oppressive than poverty. (laughs) You know, all this talk, people always talk about like how is money good or bad? And it's like, have you ever not had money? (laughs) I mean, I I, I hate to say it, but I, I really do sometimes suspect that like a lot of people who are like really worried about you know, is money good or bad, have clearly never been without it, like severely without it. Because most people I know who have never, who have been without it, know that money is good. And yeah, it doesn't solve everything. It doesn't make your life magically perfect, but it's a good, it's a good resource and it can be used, well, it's, it's a neutral resource and it can be used for good or bad. And of course, if you chronically don't have it, as I did, you often will put it on a pedestal. And that's not positive either, you know? So there's a lot of different ways of looking at this stuff. So the truth is, you know, with all the nonsense I was taught about money, just a very few examples I presented here today, I was also taught a lot of really positive things. I was taught a really high tolerance for risk. I have never had a problem personally, like, I've never had a problem investing in myself, investing my dreams, my ideas, both investing time, energy, and money. Whether the money was mine or not, sometimes it was loans or credit cards or whatever. I'm not saying you have to go into debt to invest in yourself, but for me, the problem was never like, should I invest in myself or not? Do I deserve it? It was like, can I come up with the resources? And I learned that from my mother who was extremely resourceful with money. I remember very few times she said no, even though I knew what we had and what we didn't, you know, because I picked up on it. She found a way to make the things that matter happened, happen. And yeah, like Dave Ramsey may not approve of all the ways she made it happen, but the point is the, the underlying lesson there was not just that, you know, to make the most of the present, which can be a positive or a negative lesson depending on how you view it, but to make the most of what you have, to be resourceful. I was taught a lack of fear and an ability to always make it work. You know, I have no doubt in my mind at this point in my life that no matter what life throws at me, I can make it work. And honestly, I feel in some ways weirdly blessed that I never had that. And I think I've mentioned this before, but that I've never had like that cushy, you know, office job or like corporate job or whatever. Like a lot of people I talk to in my personal life as well as clients really struggle when they have like kind of a cushy-ish or a secure, of course that's in air quotes, um, corporate job or whatever, nine to five, because it's like that thing that you're leaving. I never had that. I always worked like minimum wage or part-time or like weird side hustles and you know, the gig economy and all this stuff, pretty much always. Um, And so I never really had like that big scary thing I was walking away from. It was always like, oh, this isn't that great. Like the worst thing that could happen is it's just the same. And I'm responsible for myself, you know? So in some ways, yeah, like I could look back and be like, oh, I never had money, blah, blah, blah. But also like, that taught me certain lessons. You know, well, at this point, especially I'm in my mid-30s, like I'm not, you know, if, 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 my, if my account gets super low, if like expenses are super high in a month, I am a lot less tolerant of it. And so I can change it around much more quickly, you know? It's not like, oh, I have $2 for the next two weeks, like fuck, you know, which I've actually plenty of experience with dealing with. 
but it's more like, okay, like how can we make some more money? Cause this is dumb, you know, but it's the same, those same lessons taught me those, those two different things of like, Ooh, I'm resigning myself to the $2 until, you know, payday, which like, obviously if you're working on your own, there isn't a payday, you know, I both learned the lesson of, oh, I have the $2 left. I'll make it work, which is a powerful lesson in self-sufficiency. And negatively, on the negative side, it's a kind of a lesson in surrender, like of, oh, like I'm resigned to it being this way. So you see how they both go together? I hope this is making sense. And on the other side, it's like, no, this isn't going to work for me. I'm going to find a way to make more money. You know, that is like kind of taking that, that previous lesson and elevating it to a new form. So yeah, so, so you all of these stories about this one specific area of my life taught me some things that weren't productive and they taught me some things that were. And here's the thing. It's our responsibility as alchemists, which we all are, to alchemize the sort of lower form of this into the higher. Instead of just like trashing everything, I mean like everything I believed up until now is trash, you know? Recognizing, like pulling out the seeds of what the positive lessons were and identifying how we have always done the best we could at the time. You know, there was a time when I couldn't imagine earning, like, my income currently is not crazy. Um, probably in my industry, it's like, on. Um, well, I, you know, I was about to say something that wasn't really fair. I was about to say, I, I'm a coach, and I was going to say, like, in my industry, it's probably on the lower end. But the reality is, in coaching, there's tons of coaches who are making no money. <laughs> Just, we only ever hear about the ones making six figures. I'm not making anywhere close to six figures yet, but I am making more than I've ever made in my life. And I used to look at that and be like, yeah, but I've always under earned. So like, that doesn't even mean anything. Like, oh, I'm still like not making a lot, blah, 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 all these stories. But the reality is there have been many times in my life, like every time up until now where I didn't even know, I, I never even imagined that I could make more, that I could make what I make now or that I could juggle the financial responsibilities I have now. And so I was doing the best I could at the time. I was doing the best I could of just like, okay, let's just find a way to make this work. So it started out of, as the resourcefulness of like, let's make $2 last two more weeks. Let's see how long, let, let's make, you know, a $10 grocery run last 10 days. I was able to alchemize that into, let's take that same energy and make some more money. Or, ah, uh, you know, with the meal thing, it's funny because I actually still use that skill all the time of like, ooh, I'm too lazy to go to the grocery store or to go to the market. Like, can I create a meal, a passable meal with things I have in my cabinet? I learned that from years of poverty. Now, you don't have to be poor to become resourceful. And it's important that we don't, you know, we want to like love and cherish our memories and our stories and our experiences and also not put them on a pedestal, you know? We don't want to create this idea that like we need the drama to become resourceful. And my money mentor, Amanda Francis, she actually talked about this once in um, like another training that I took with her. She said that like the struggle is not required. And I think she said something, I wish I had the quote here, but it's basically like you never had to have the drama in order to have something to overcome. Like you can overcome on your own. Sometimes we create drama because we're like, oh, this will be my success story. And that can be a really powerful place to operate from when you're in the thick of it, when you're in the trenches. And also we need to question that we get to be successful because we do, not because like we've struggled so much. So... I want you to think about your stories and whether it's about money, whether it's about love, whether it's about, you know, your health, whatever it is, I want you to look critically at experiences you've had and not just like, oh, these are all my like blocks. These are all my negative beliefs. Like don't put that power into it. 
but instead like this is your story this is where you came from and beautiful things came from that and icky things came from that and it's up to you to alchemize the icky into the good in my session I had a session a few intuitive reading type session a few weeks ago with Angel Phoenix Arsenal which I mentioned on maybe it's the last episode actually um and I have a Gemini ascendant and she said Gemini energy Geminis are the shitter no I'm sorry Geminis are the eaters of darkness and the shitters of light that is alchemy and that is what if you can do that with your story turn the darkness like eat the darkness and shit out the light you will unleash a huge reservoir of power with inside you, with inside you <laughs> within you <laughs> or inside you pick pick your word choice so it's really important to do that so i'm taking on a very 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 short small short not short i think i'm dehydrated i think that's why i'm like messing my words up i just realized i'm taking on a very small group of people for rebel cash coven which is a bonus group program i'm running alongside the money course i've been talking about which is amanda francis's money mentality makeover so when you join the course through my link which is in the show notes you get complimentary access to my intimate group coaching program. It's a six-week container just like the money course. So we run alongside the money course and we go into in a more personal, deep way, not just the content of that course, but we also learn about business magic, money witchcraft. We learn about shadow work as it pertains to your ability to earn and receive money. We talk about so many other really deep spiritual topics around money this money course of amanda's is already a spiritual course we apply the spiritual a a bunch of different spiritual concepts to the making receiving earning keeping of money and what's cool is that actually the process that she teaches in the course it doesn't just apply to money it applies to anything in your life anything So while it is focused on money because money is an area where people tend to be more, they they perceive themselves to be more blocked than a lot of other areas, it can be applied to anything. So I created Rebel Cash Coven because I wanted sort of like a money club for bad bitches. Open to bad bitches of all genders, I need to add, as is the course, as is the money course. Um, The reality is, we don't talk about this enough. And I desired a space where we could talk about it very openly, where like you think that this kind of a share is vulnerable for me, where I could really dive deep and share exactly how I transformed my beliefs around money and how I'm continuing to do so because it is absolutely a process. I am on my way, but I have a lot more progress I want to make and I will make. And I'm learning this by your side. So it's so valuable having somebody who's worked through this and who isn't all the way there yet. Having someone like that in your corner because it's, you know, I don't know about you, but for me, I get really inspired by the people like Amanda who are like, like so like blasting our perceptions of what's possible out of the water. You know, when she first started teaching this money course, she was, I think, trying like her big goal was like eight thousand dollar months and now she makes three hundred thousand dollars a month in her company you know based and using these same principles like which she talks about very openly how she's gotten there using these principles not just like oh i'm rich now um here's how i did it by my course but like no this is actually mean real time right now like she recently posted a video of hitting up against her next level of earning spending what she got to have in a really vulnerable way sure the numbers are way bigger now but it's the same concept the same process and she talks about how she was actually like for a period of time not successful at rearranging her beliefs around it and then she finally did my point is not about money my point is not about how you should join this course my point is not about how you should join me for rebel cash kevin my point is that i It's my intention that you examine your stories from the past 
and you acknowledge where they've served you and where they haven't, and you make a choice to take those positive and negative experiences, the shadow and the light, and alchemize it into something even better and even more empowering for your present. Because any area in which you are limiting what you think you get to have based on beliefs that aren't even true, that aren't even real, they're not by any means universal, that doesn't help anybody and it only hurts yourself and it hurts those around you, it hurts those in your community because when you limit yourself, you not just limit others, but you provide an example of limitation to others as well. To me, that's what this is all about. Whether you apply these lessons to money, to love, to happiness, to anything. It's about deciding that you are not limited by your past. You're not limited by your upbringing. You're not limited by what you believed up until now. That whatever you've created is the result of your past beliefs. It is old news and you can change it today. That is the purpose of this message. That is what I want you to take away from it. And if you are called to dive deeper into this work around money, definitely check out the link in my show notes. You have just a few more days to get into Rebel Cash Coven and the money course. And I would be absolutely honored to share this work with you. I'm passionate about this, not just as a teacher who maybe is a couple steps ahead, definitely not an expert, but I'm passionate about this as a student because I've seen how it's changed my life, how it is changing my life. And the biggest regret I have, I'm not a big believer in regrets, but the biggest regret I do have is that I didn't give myself the opportunity to learn these things sooner. If I had you know, learned what I've learned in the past year about money consciousness and the energetics around money, if I had learned this 10 years ago, I mean... One could argue I wasn't ready at the time, and I, and I wasn't. But the reality is I do wish I hadn't waited this long, and because of that, I am passionate about sharing this work with as many people as possible. So check the, out the links in my show notes. Like I said, you have just a couple more days. As always, DM me any questions you have about anything I talked about today or anything else. DM those to me at Caitlin Matanley. My Instagram link is also in the show notes. I love you all so much. Thank you for being with me on this journey. Thank you for being a listening ear to my vulnerability and for helping me push my own beliefs around what I think I'm capable of, what I think I get to have, and what I feel I deserve. So thank you so much. And I will talk to you all soon. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, be sure to leave me a five-star review on the Apple Podcasts app. To keep the episodes coming, click on the link in the show notes to support the show for as little as $1 a month. I am so grateful to have you as part of this movement. I'll see you soon.